in Jesus' name. Well, as uh, you can see, it's different today. We had a whole nother plan ready to go. Uh, but by Wednesday, um, felt the Lord call us to change things up and have a family talk today. Uh, first, it'll be me and Suzanne. It's my wife, 37 years, birthday Tuesday. Praise God. Uh, and then Kyle and Brooke will get up. Uh, but uh, we want to make a public statement and uh, take a public stand on a church scandal that um, that occurred at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City and concerning the founder of that ministry, Mike Bickle. Um, it has not, it's not just contained to, well, that's that ministry up in Kansas or Missouri. It's, uh, it's affected, it's rocked the body of Christ worldwide. And um, yeah, we're going to go there today. We're not just going to, there are a lot of people here, including myself, that are, there's real pain, there's real confusion, real anger, there's real, there are real concerns, and so we don't want to just ignore it and go, you know, turn into your, turn in your Bibles too, because, but we are going to turn in our Bibles, okay, or we're going to turn in our phones, whatever. We are, because the Scripture's the roadmap for every situation, <laughs> and uh, so we're going we're gonna to do that today, but um, so I want to just give a brief talk a few minutes about this, the, the history with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Mike Bickle, and the, there, there's been over a 30-year 30, 30 connection between Suzanne and myself and Mike Bickle and International House of Prayer and the, the 24-7 prayer ministry that's gone forth from there. 30 years uh, connection. I've never met Mike Bickle personally. He did pray for me one time. Uh, at an altar ministry time, but but back in the 90s, Suzanne brought these cassettes, you know, hey, there's this guy, and he talked real fast, kind of Ben Shapiro fast back in the 90s, and so I'd, you know, back then you stop, rewind, listen again, you know, but his Bible teaching was so so hermeneutically strong, so biblically true, but it was also incredibly inspiring um, to to really put the first commandment in first place and love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I was, you know, we were connected there. Then in 1999, they began International House of Prayer, 24-7 prayer, going up with live worship and scriptures being sung and all kinds of things there. It never stopped for 24 years. And uh, now, that was 99. In 2007, <clears throat> my heart really got marked with the prayer room and with, you know, in my own life, we put a sign out front, prayer room open to the public. Um, now it says Lake Travis Prayer Room. And I'm not going to over-exaggerate, whatever, but besides prayer meetings as the pastor and other times where I'd be in here studying for a message or whatnot, Honestly, it's been thousands of hours of my life. I call it on my pillows, <laughs> directly connecting 
with the beauty of the Lord and, and inquiring in his temple. And uh, I, I couldn't even, <clears throat> it would go ever forever, all the times God's met me in this prayer room. And so I'm not going to be fake with you. You know, I'm in grieving. But, um, but anyway, uh, for the past 17 years, this has been my lifestyle. To pastor the church from the place of intercession and in, in, in the word. But, but so much the live stream from the International House of Prayer has been the, that backdrop. And uh, I really pray that it continues. I know there's somebody right now up there probably by themselves in a room continuing worship going forth, but um, my heart is that it continue. Uh, fast forward to four months ago, this uh, IHOP KC International House of Prayer Kansas City entered a crisis uh, season. Um, in October of 23, allegations came forth about Mike Bickle that were sexual in nature. I'll be careful with how I say things here in this platform, but um, when I heard about it in uh, October, um, my immediate reactions were shock and disbelief. Same with Suzanne. We did not want to believe it was true. Uh, but then almost at the, very, at the same time, I, I felt the Holy Spirit giving me responses to this, these allegations. See, there's a difference between reaction and response. Reaction is in the soul. And we have a soul. Okay, emotions, mind, will, you know. So I reacted with shock and disbelief uh, in my soul. Okay, but the, the three spiritual responses that I had back in October and I've con I continue to have for these months have been, first of all, don't say anything, Glenn. Don't say anything about it because you've not been sanctioned by the Holy Spirit to weigh in on it. I wasn't, I'm not, I don't have the facts. I don't have the details. I'm not up there. It's another ministry. So, don't weigh in on Facebook. Don't give your opinion. Any of that. The Holy Spirit just said, respond this way. Don't talk about it. You know, there's, there's two things going before the throne right now in heaven, right? Accusation and intercession. Yeah, if I had a drum rod, have a little drum go. There's, it, there's, there's intercession. And so don't talk. Talk to me about it, Glenn. Second, Believe the best. I'd want that for me. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. So all the months, it's just, I'm going to, what does love look like? Love looks like believe the best. Keep your mouth closed. Believe the best. And third, be patient. Be patient. Like, We've all heard that probably. Don't pray for patience. Well, no, pray for patience, okay? Because be, patience is, Lord, escort me into your patience. I'll shut up now again. Tell me to sh just tap me if I keep going. No, it's good. Okay. It's good, it's good. Uh, be patient uh, for the whole, tr the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. 
to come forth, okay? So that was for these last four months. That's why you've not heard me say anything about it. I've not done any things, but things happened this week um, that uh, uh, came forth, that uh, a very credible statement came forth that led to why we're having this family talk today. And uh, a lady spoke of incidents beginning in 1980 in St. Louis that, um, that precipitated this today. I want to read portions. I thought it would be safe just to go with portions of the official IHOP KC press releases. I won't read it, bore you with the whole, I'm not bore you, but time for time's sake. Um, I want to start with uh, 10 days ago, a press release from law, a, a law firm, a, a lawyer named McNamara is her last name. But these are the, were the, the findings of four months. Um, and that the findings was that Mike Bickle was guilty of sexual contact, clergy misconduct, and an abuse of power for a person in a position of trust and leadership. Now back when these, some of these allegations came forth, that they came forth in October, but by December 22nd, the, the leadership team at, at IHOPKC had found enough to, uh, to formally separate from Mike. And now these are my thoughts. But since, since they formally separated, but there was still more that was up in the air because some of the, 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 the alleged, alleged victims were not coming forward. And so that's where the patients came in to wait uh, by the way, if some of you are like, man, I came to hear, a, a, you know, some, a rah-rah. You know, this is real life. And, and if you get real with God, he'll get real with you. I don't think you want to come to churches and have, well, everything, you know. It's like, well, what about what I'm dealing with? So some of you may not be dealing with this, but there are principles we're going to talk about and a, and a loving Jesus is going to help us through. Amen? And so, um, so just hold on. Some good scripture is going to come forth from my wife here in just a minute. But, uh, but since some of the alleged victims refused to talk, you know, here were some of my thoughts. The whole truth not out yet over these months. So in my mind, was it just one incident 20-plus years ago? Or were there other women, more women, and, and when did those occur? And is it, was it still happening, right? Things up, things up in the air. So that was the press release 10 days ago. Then these new, this new statement was made that, that prompted this official IHOPKC press release. These words of IHOPKC from the team and the ministry, words cannot express the anger Shock, heartbreak, and sadness we have experienced as we have learned of allegations and testimonies of sexual abuse and manipulation concerning Mike Bickle. We believe that Mike Bickle sexually abused and manipulated, and I'm not going to name the names of the females, he violated the word of God, the marriage covenant, and holiness. We condemn 
They said them, but it's the actions. We condemn these actions in their entirety. Now I'm going to sum up part of that statement that was about three days ago. That um, that in October, back in 23, Mike Bickle covered things up. So the big one of the big things was he didn't just it wasn't just the the the, the activities. It was the cover up. He covered things up and tried to construct, and now these are their words, he tried to construct a narrative of innocence regarding himself. IHOP goes on to say, we acknowledge and apologize for the pain and confusion this caused. Now, I cannot wrap my head around how this could all happen while at the same time, God used Mike Bickle. He used him over these decades to build a very powerful ministry and build 24-7 prayer that went nonstop for the past 24 years, which spawned, get this around, your head around, which spawned the birthing of over 20,000 prayer rooms around the world, including when I was in Jerusalem in 2016, I went to Sukkah Hillel that has 24-7, and they didn't have enough musicians to go 24 hours. So I go up there to pray, and they're playing the live web stream feed from the prayer room in Kansas City. That's the, imp the impact. Even ministries, Messianic Jewish ministries in Israel just sent out a statement a couple days ago about this too. So... This is, this is worldwide, and uh, so that's, I can't get my head around how both can be true, both the, the, the horrific and then all the good, but they're both true. I can't wrap my head around it, but I'm going to let God sort that out, because He is God, we're not. Now I'm going to have Suzanne share some passages or any other comments. Yeah, I was thinking about what Derek Prince said one time uh, about this. Because obviously this is not the first time this has happened in the church. I mean, it happens quite a bit, but uh, unfortunately. But um, when he was, um, you know, just wrestling with this, you know, he was like, um, Lord, how can, how can we know if someone's living right? And the phrase came back if they're living right. I mean, in other words, we may not know, and it's not our, our place to be suspicious of one another. It's our place to you know, hear the Lord, be accountable to each other, and receive, uh, you know, the, the ministry and the gifts that God has given people. And, um, you know, I just, um, I just feel like that... Uh, when we anchor in with the fact that Jesus was tempted in all points, as we are, yet without sin. And that's our anchor, that there was one man who, you know, was sub subjected to all the temptations that we might be, yet he did not, um, you know, give in. And, um, and so we draw from that strength 
And then we draw from that, Lord, you've called us. You said, as we are, as I was in this world, I want you to be that way. So our aim and our goal is to resource ourselves and to avail ourselves of everything in the scripture that would keep, that would keep us walking in victory. But if we fall, there are ways, I think, to mitigate the, the, um, the, the damage from those falls uh, that, is, that can so curtail uh, destruction for other people and ourselves. And so one thing I wanted to uh, speak of uh, is that, is, is, is there, because I have a tremendous respect for Mike Bickle, I'm appreciative of all that he said yes to in the kingdom of God. And that we have been so helped by all the ways that he said yes. Um, and so I just, I want to, you know, honor um, all the ways that he said yes. But look at um, what I believe um, we could at least learn from, you know, for ourselves. in in perhaps, uh, you know, how could these things uh be avoided or ameliorated in some degree. And uh, <clears throat> in First uh, Corinthians five, there's a story uh, where there was a, this issue of immorality that had happened in the church, and the Apostle Paul deals with it. Now there's some real differences in this situation in Corinth uh, as compared with what we're dealing with. But in the ways that it is similar, uh, I would like to just build on those. Does that make sense? So the Apostle Paul, um, you know, was a, he was such an evangelist to the Gentiles. And the church in Corinth, he basically had led all the people in that place to the Lord. I mean, he, had, he himself really founded the church in Corinth, and uh, they were the fruit of his ministry. So uh, he would keep up with them, and it must have been very difficult 2,000 years ago <laughs> to keep up with churches that were hundreds of miles away. Um, but he had heard that there was this issue of immorality. And so in 1 Corinthians 5, do you all have that passage, 1 through 5? Do we have the scriptures? Um, <clears throat> so the, uh, Paul is speaking he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tele- tolerate. So even people outside of the church would say, that's not right. You know, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. So we think of like a step, stepmother situation. Uh, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? By the way, this was publicly known, right? Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's why he was addressing, he was like, it's kind of like an understood fact that this is going on, and you're not uh, addressing it, Um, so yeah, so he says, um, and you're proud, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit, As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I'm with you in spirit, that's an interesting thing that 
you know, he is far away, but he would be with that congregation as they met. And the power of our Lord Jesus is present. So this is a specific time, a specific place that's sanctioned by the Lord. He said, I'm going to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. I don't know if y'all have ever read that passage. Probably many of you have. Um, I want to mention a couple of things I I really looked into, and I'd looked into this before. Um, What would it mean for the Apostle Paul um, to hand someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? And I mean, he's he's functioning in his apostolic authority for sure. Um, But I I, want to say something really important. That word flesh, I don't think it means body. Body in the New Testament is the Greek word is soma, and um, so when it says "May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless," that's soma. That word for flesh, I don't think means our the physical body, because the Greek word there is sarx or sarkos. Um, and just to put it in context, probably many of y'all have thought about um, when you've been reading in the New Testament you know, things where it says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that doesn't mean, I mean, it could mean our physical body, but it, but it's some, it's some other aspect. It's not just um, our physical body. It's some, I think of it as our soul, our mind, will, and emotions uh, that is not under the control of our new nature that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we, when we're born again by the Spirit of God, we have a new nature, and the Holy Spirit's in us. But how many of us know we also have our unrenewed mind and all our old patterns, and we haven't received our resurrected body yet? So yeah, there's see, a lot of propensities. There's a lot of tendencies to, uh, to go. It says, for, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Um, so that's, that's another thing. And in Romans 8, it says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that couldn't mean in our physical body because we certainly can please God. Um, so it's, it's when we're walking in a mind and a spirit that's unrenewed. Um, exactly. Or, excuse me, it, mind, you, our soul, our, not our spirit, but our mind, will, and emotion. Yeah, you took the words I was going to say. Yeah, the, the way we deal with our flesh, and we've all got our flesh, mm-hmm. see, is to renew our minds with the Word of God. Don't be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you, yeah, so that's, I, I like your, uh, but it's real important to me and really the stance that I've, carried over these years you have now that you're a born-again believer you have one nature you have a new nature Mm -hmm. and you have flesh Mm -hmm. now i don't want to argue with people about different things on that but that's it's kind of it was kind of hopeless for me as a young college student loving jesus to go i got two natures and one guy's duking it out with the other guy and who's gonna win today and you know I want you to know that you're in, you are. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Second Corinthians five. Lord. Yeah. So I think it means when he handed him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that it it was like um, he wanted 
this person to be disciplined in these appetites that he had, to be confronted with their evil, um, to be arrested with, look at the, the, what has happened here. And so in that sense, uh, you know, for the destruction of those uh, tendencies, to put a tamp down. And, you know, when you face consequences of your sin, there is, a, uh, there is kind of a, you know, you take a different look at your, at your um, sinful tendencies and say, wow, look at what has happened here. And so I think that earlier in the passage, it talks about why have you not put him out of uh, fellowship? Why have you not, you know, in a sense, excommunicated him for a time so that he could be disciplined? Uh, I think that's the indication of, you know, in, in what way would his flesh be uh, uh, disciplined? And it would be for him as that he would not be allowed to be whatever he was doing in the church. He's put down. He cannot do that anymore. He can't perhaps even attend church. I mean, he, he is separated from the body for a time in order that he would deal with this so that what? He would be restored, you know, that his spirit would be saved on the day of the Lord. So there's that look towards restoration, which I think is, is really beautiful. I put a little note on that passage. You know, it was some form of punishment, not mm-hmm. death, mm-hmm. to learn his lesson. Mm-hmm. We, we know that phrase. That's just help. Yes. My thought. And uh, I, in 2 Corinthians, uh, it seems, although we can't completely prove this, but it seems that the Apostle Paul references this person. And I think this is cool because... I mean, most of the commentators believe that Paul is talking about uh, the same man. So 2 Corinthians um, was written probably at least a year after 1 Corinthians. And so uh, perhaps it's been a year of discipline. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, But in chapter 2, verses 5 through 10... um, Paul says, you know, if anyone has caused you grief, it's not so much me that he's grieved, but really all of you to some extent. Um, The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in, any, in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there, is, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And then it goes on to say, you know, take, take heed to these words because we're, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And uh, that would be the next verse. But I think in that he's saying, be careful because this is a human court. And we have very limited boundaries on how we, you know, judge people. Uh, and it's really, I think, in the, in the New Testament church, it's not a judgment of their worth. It's not a judgment of their salvation. It's not a judgment of rewards and things like that. Because earlier, the apostles, Paul says, judge nothing before the time. Um, you know, wait until Christ comes. He's going to bring the light 
uh, all, the, all the things. We don't have to dig in those areas. But then in this passage, he's, he's saying, hey, we're going to take action. So, you know, it's context of, of where, you know, when you judge and when you don't judge. But I think we, we could limit it to behavior. You know, that's, that's where sometimes yeah. we have to speak to people and, um, <clears throat> and, and, and judge matters that have to do yes. not with uh, we, we condemn you in this regard. We are condemning this behavior and we want to address it that you would be restored. And so I think it's, it's limited to, to that. And, um, um, y- you know, um, the narrative of God over our lives is, is God's secret narrative that he has over us. Yeah. No one knows that. You know, no, um, I can imagine, you know, well, like I said, God, <laughs> he's so big. Have y'all noticed that? <laughs> he's, he's sovereign and he's big, Right. And yes, for a time, the horizontal narrative can really be upsetting. It can be confusing. But understand that we can take joy that we're not, we don't have to think the worst about any person. We can just say, you know what? We all mess up. There's ways to handle it that mitigate the damage. Let's go for that because we're all fallen. Um, and leave the rest to the Lord. Amen. Yeah, and if, and if this is, you know, sometimes I'll get this impression, especially, you, you know, with being right here in this setting and uh, receiving from you as well. Um, but I have this sense that for men, for probably all of us, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, uh, but the, uh, the 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 thought is. We still have to face it, and we have to look at it and, and realize, here's my sense. The reason there's a degree of being uncomfortable is because we are coming against a, a spirit of religion. On top, for sure, we need the compassion and that whole realm of, of love and compassion and want restoration. But... This whole thing, did you know Scripture talks about the spirit of legalism has been warring against the sons of the bondwoman, against the sons of the free? Legalism and grace, they've been battling this out for centuries. Okay, so we're touching on some, some sacred cows, so to speak, in the church. Okay, so I'm really glad you, you guys are visiting today. You're like, well, I... <laughs> Because this is going to help for the future that we get more. You know, I was going to pray at the beginning. I forgot, but I prayed earlier. Lord, give us the mind of, of Christ in all of this. And, and your thoughts are higher. Your ways are higher. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you in all of this. And I thank you that even, did, were you going to share about that someone in our body got a prophetic word? Yes. Would you share that right now? Because, because the Lord's been like this. I don't know that she wants. Okay, I gave away. It's a female. She wants to be uh, publicly said here, but she printed out. Go ahead. Yeah, this was last uh, January, um, January twenty twenty three. Words for the church. Number one, God is going to clean His house. Pastors and people in leadership in the church who have secret lives of perversion will be exposed. 
Number two, that yeah, number two, there's a deep need for reverence and the fear of the Lord in the house of the Lord. This is not a religious spirit. It is a, a better understanding of the God we serve. Mm-hmm. This is, that was, yeah, it's not a religious spirit to have the fear of the Lord. <laughs> that's not at all. You know, that's a, an appropriate, we're awestruck by his beauty and, and holiness. So um, I just wanted to uh, turn my attention now to, you know, um, just uh, maybe some hope, right? Some hopefulness. <laughs> uh, yeah. We didn't plan this, but I just feel an open window to actually do these verses for Mike right now. Second Corinthians 2, if we could all stand up, 5 through 10, just to forgive him, I, I sense an open window of mercy for him right now. And this is a mighty army of prayer and love and mercy and forgiveness. Just picture yourself giving out a blank slate a clean slate to this man who needs it so much right now. He needs comfort like no other. Obviously, the victims need so much comfort and healing. We're not minimizing that at all. But I want to see Mike Bickle in heaven with a crown on his head, not a millstone around his neck. Because when you go against God's children, it is not good for you in eternity. But if he repents... And if he receives mercy, he will have a crown. I believe he deserves a crown for all the yeses, but only if he repents. So let's do these verses right now for Mike. If you could go back to verse 5. By faith, because we don't know in his own heart if he's already done this, but we're doing this by faith. This is what the church does. We give out blank slates. We give out mercy by the blood of Jesus. This is our glory and our honor to forgive sin. This is our glory and honor to forgive sin. It's incredible. We have this authority to forgive sin. What? Okay, verse 5. If anyone has caused grief, Lord, we look, one of the last verses, we're in the presence of Christ. So this isn't in the presence. Christ is here listening to us right now. So if anyone has caused grief, Lord, we look at you. I am grieved. I am heartbroken. I am mourning over this man's sin. He has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, some measure, not to put it too severely. Next verse. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Lord, I pray that not one ounce more of punishment would be given to him that is necessary. The least severe means, the least amount of pain to get the greatest amount of heart response from him. Lord, I pray that the pain, if it could be, would be ended today and he would fully come to repentance. Verse 7, now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him. Amber just told me she had a dream of us leaders giving an embrace, which is a hug. So we're, we're trying to give a hug to the whole body of Christ right here. But let's give a spiritual hug to Mike and Diane, his wife right now, his whole family, the whole IHOP KC community. Lord, we give them a hug. We forgive and we comfort them right now. Would you send the spirit of comfort, the very comforter to overwhelm him right now, overwhelm the whole community, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I've had a fear that he would get into deep depression and it wouldn't end well for him. That's a fear I've had for Mike because of all the severity of international crisis. Imagine carrying that kind of weight. Lord, would you take that weight off? Give him a hug. Lift his spirit. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. 
Lord, just as you loved Saul of Tarsus when he was killing Christians, you loved him so much. We love Mike right now. Would you send a spirit of love to overwhelm him? Say, we love you. We believe the best. We believe the end is good for you. Yes, go to verse 10 if you can. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. Lord, I thank you. Again, we forgive the sins of this man. We pray that you would give him a blank, clean slate right now. Would you honor our weak prayers? Lord, this is in the sight of you. You are listening and you love mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment for this whole situation. In Jesus' name. His mercy is for the abused and the abuser. Yes. I think we can be seated for just a few more minutes. Um, <clears throat> so with the, the thought of hope and everything, uh, um, you know, you might say, well, you know, how, how can these situations be prevented? And if the most obvious one is, well, let's, let's, you know, don't make, make these kind of grievous errors. <laughs> but, you know, decades of life and so many different seasons, let's be realistic. There's, there's things, there's pressure sometimes where, you know, we don't understand all things, but, you know, we give in in, in different measures to things. And so uh, I think the most realistic thing to think about with this is, you know, if it happens, how do, how do we deal with it? And I, um, Glenn actually, uh, it was yesterday, he said that he felt like he was supposed to read James 5. He sometimes gets these, you know, like a reference in the middle of the night, read James 5. So then when he wakes up, he reads it. But it, but it was the scripture, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. And so a lot of things that we do wrong... We can ask God to forgive us. We don't, you know, there's a whole area of, of things where we ask God to forgive us, right? Um, and, but sometimes that's not enough. You know, and, and so when is it not enough just to ask God to forgive you? You know, when do you need to confess to other people? And I think there's latitude there. I, I don't. Could you put James five sixteen up there? That's that's what yeah. she's referencing. That verse. I don't. I don't have the full answer on that. Um, but in thinking about this, um, I think when it involves uh, another person, when you violated another person in some way, then. Uh, in order for the thing to be really healed, you would need to ask their forgiveness as well, not just asking God to forgive you. Um, but then in the context of a marriage, it's very important that we know how to confess our sins to our spouses. Um, that really, um, you know, just it's basically light into darkness and then it's like it just 
dissipates and you can see things in a whole new way. And, uh, you know, confess your faults one to another. So I think in the context of a marriage, it's really important, um, you know, to, to not, um, to be honest with each other. And I think, you know, if you feel like you haven't had a history of being honest with each other, it starts with the little things. It's not even the hugest things, you know, it's, it starts with just little things. One time I heard, um, from a marriage counselor, uh, he said, infidelity, you think of infidelity as immorality or adultery, but infidelity is just keeping secrets, but you know, from your, your spouse. And, uh, so I think that's some way to think of it. Um, but then I would even say this, uh, Glenn and I talked about this, um, and, and I, I do, I did think of this this morning. One thing I noticed about Glenn when we've been married a really long time and, uh, he, he's always been really honest, you know, like, I'm like, is this too much information? <laughs> but he's been really honest, uh, just with, uh, little things, right? And then maybe if you're honest with little things, it, it never gets to the big things. I don't know, but, uh, you know, I think that Whataburger in the morning, Whataburger and Wendy's at night. It was a recent confession to the church. Yeah. Sorry. But I did notice that uh, about about him. And uh, and so that's. But anyway, so I, wa- I wanted to say, though, in the context of leadership. So I think this is where it's different. I think, you know, if you're not leading other people spiritually, then I'm sure that you could. You could work things out with your spouse, all good. But if you lead people um, in the things of God, I think that um, you take it, the couple has to take it outside of their marriage to the leadership above them um, in a proper amount of time from when it happens. And that, that would be the ideal. And I'm not trying to be, I hope this doesn't sound condemn, condemning towards a brother and sister, but I I don't know all the details, but, um, you know, Glenn and I talked about that, that um, sometimes, you know, you have to go outside even um, so that because it's it's basically acknowledging to yourself and to the enemy and to your spouse and everything that you're declaring war on this and you're getting out ahead of it. And so if you set yourself apart for a time, step down from ministry for a sabbat, you know, a certain season of time, then I think, then it's taken care of, right? And, uh, and, and then you can be in that process of restoration. So, uh, I could be wrong about those categories, but, um, this is just my, my thought on it. Um, so yeah, yeah. And so I think every ministry structure should, should have, um, uh, people outside of the leadership that are, that they are accountable accountable to. So I'm looking out there and I see Frederick and I think I saw Ashton earlier. Yeah. And Gary. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a a safe place to take things. But then even beyond that, I'm sure if there were something really serious, they would, um, they would put together a team. Uh, We have some people that we can contact, you know, that could help us with something like that. But even you know, it, it, it has to be outside the situation. And, and that's where I feel like that, that, you know, we, this is my last thing. 
abide in faith, hope, and love. And sometimes it is faith to put your situation, to put your life in the hands of other people. That's scary. Absolutely. Because they could keep you out of ministry, but I'm called by God. I've got to be up there preaching. Well, ultimately, Donnie, could you come on up in the worship team? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you're putting your life in the hands of God. You are. To submit to authority. Yeah, I mean, you're either... It's a funny thing. Yeah, if you have to strive to get a place of ministry, then you've got to strive to keep it. Yeah. And I I know that even Mike, to his honor and credit, he even said in his letter, you know, I'm not going to return to ministry until it's... Yeah. until I'm asked or till I'm restored. And, I mean, he said that back in November. So I think uh, oftentimes when uh, this happens, you know, people say, well, you know, I can't trust this this biblical process because I'm called by God. And just beware of people like that, y'all. No, 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 no. Uh, that's faith is to put your situation, say, I've done this, whatever y'all think, I'll abide by it. So, the people that you trust and love. So, all right. Amen. 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 Let's all, let's all stand up. Kyle's just going to come up and lead us in a time of prayer. But um, uh, I love what you said, honey, about, you know, when you confess to one another, you let light in to the dark place. And it's going to, I'm going to just look at everybody right now personally and say, it takes courage to to come clean before God and to come clean with the people that it affects. But you're letting light into that dark place. Um, I want to give a quick, I did get some other things, which I'll, I'll edit those out. I won't do them because we pretty, pretty much covered them. <clears throat> but when this uh, crisis first began, about a couple of weeks in, by the way, I'm not going to back off on prophetic things. Okay, um, words or things I get or all that. So that's, well, you should pull back and, you know, I, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep being me. Okay. All right. The real is still real. What? The, the real is this, still real. Yeah. So As early on, heard. early on on this, I'm just going to give a quick summary because we're, we're, you know, kickoffs in five hours though. So. Uh, but I had a I had a, a really strong word uh, about my dear brothers and sisters at in Kansas City, and the Lord said, uh, "Give them, give some of them this word that you're going to walk on water." And I told, in fact, it was interesting. In the next week, one of their leaders who ministers up live on the one of the worship leaders was here, sitting right about where Sharon was sitting, and I was like. You're going to tell the community, you're going to walk on water. And I was like, Lord, what does that mean? And it was, you know, the, the passage where Peter walks on water, right? Jesus says, come, and he, and he, as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was able to walk on water. But I said, Lord, what's the water? Where's the, I mean, what's the, I mean, I've, I've been around a while. I've never seen a Christian. Anybody in here walked on water besides a frozen lake, which I did last year Okay, nobody's walked on water that I know. So, Lord, what does it mean, walk on water? Well, walk on water, Song of Solomon 8, verse 7 says, Many waters cannot quench your love. 
nor can rivers or floods drown it out. So the Lord said, oh no, Glenn, I want to do miracles in the hearts of those and miracles in our hearts. We're going to walk on water. We're going to walk above the, 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 the waters of trouble and persecution and depression. Nothing the enemy's hitting you with it can pull you down as long as you keep your eyes and say, Lord, help me. I'm going to walk above the snake line. I'm going to walk above the waters of trouble and persecution. So that's my heart. I want to release that word. We, by God's grace, are going to walk on water above this. Yeah, I just want to give some practical wisdom to for everyone, not just spiritual leaders, everyone, especially you young people. Listen to this and remember this. This is the Billy Graham rule. Billy Graham, guess what? He never fell. He wasn't perfect and sinless, but he never had a moral failure. And he lived till 99, and he preached the gospel for like 50 years plus. He never had a moral failure. There are great examples of men and women of God who never fell. This doesn't have to be the end of y'all's story, young people or old people in the room. Here's the Billy Graham rule. Never be in a room with a person of the opposite gender by yourself, like you and them. Brooke's the only one that can be behind closed doors with me. Obviously, you know, your comrades, your men are going to be with my dad and other men of God. But never be in a room by yourself with someone of the opposite gender. Never. If you have to have a meeting, have the door open. So practical. So practical. No temptation. No temptation. No accusation. No suspicion. No suspicion. Same thing with Carla. Never give. Never give a person of the opposite gender a Carla. Unless it's family or there's multiple people in the protection. It protects yourself. It protects them. And it protects them. And it protects you from accusation and suspicion. Another young lady in Lakeway and someone just saw us in the car. They could say it. I'm not going to put myself in those situations because we know our own weakness as humans. <laughs> Amen? So those are the two main rules. The Billy Graham rules. Live by them. They will protect you. They will keep you from any suspicion or even falling itself. Amen? Does that make sense? Rooms and cars. <laughs> Rooms and cars. All right, I want to invite all the fathers in the room to come up, all the men of God who are fathers. I want to invite you. You don't have to say anything. I just want you to come up and stand up here. I know there are people in the room that some of these allegations and these real sins that Mike committed, I want y'all to face everyone if you can. I know there are people in the room that these might have reminded you of things from your past where you may have been abused. So we want to pray for anyone in the room who has been abused in the past, and we also want to pray for the people who have been abused by Mike. The handful, we don't know the number, but whoever they are, we want to pray that the Lord would heal them completely, give them new minds, give them new hearts. Any damage done would be totally healed. This is what Jesus does. And so the fathers are up here as ones who will just extend their hands over anyone in the room who's been abused in the past. 
There's real healing in the room right now. I know there's real healing in the room. And we're going to extend this prayer to anyone abused by IHOPKC with Mike, okay? This is real healing. This could be released from Isaiah 61. Fathers, you can just extend your hands by faith. We're not going to have you raise your hand if this is you. Just receive it for any measures of abuse. Even if it wasn't physical or sexual abuse, if it was emotional or spiritual abuse, just receive healing. Everyone in the room from these fathers in the faith. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and it's upon all these fathers right here because the Lord has anointed us to to heal the brokenhearted. Right now we release healing from the anointing of Jesus into every heart, every body, every mind in the room. The ones who've been abused by this crisis, would you completely heal them sovereignly right now? Give them an entire new heart. Heal any trauma in their hearts. Bind up the shattered hearts out in the world and the shattered hearts in here. Jesus, we invite you to bind up every broken heart. Proclaim liberty to the captives. These women were taken captive by someone that was filled with the spirit of lust. Anyone who has ever been taken captive in this room, the Lord is proclaiming liberty right now. We proclaim liberty in the Holy Spirit. Freedom from haunting memories. Freedom right now. That they would only remember your hand and your healing and your redemption. They would only remember mercy. We declare liberty over anyone who's been taken captive right now. From any trauma, we say liberty, healing over any trauma in any heart. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So Lord, we pray along with all these fathers for full freedom, a full release from any spiritual prison, any physical prison, any emotional prison, full release right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Fathers, you can go sit down. Thank y'all. This is real. I want to give one uh, third practical uh, that that I think is on Billy Graham's list. Uh, and um, for for men in particular, uh, and this is this is just me also uh, wanting to be held accountable because I try to do this, and I don't even really look at women like for real. And I'm not trying to sound cool um, because I want to love my wife as much as I can. And so this is just one example. I was at HEB, and Brooke Hubbard was walking out towards me at, at HEB. And I had an ear pod in. I wasn't really paying attention, but I wasn't looking. And and she like almost got on me and was like yelling my name. And I hadn't lo- I had, like I you know I was like oh snap not just not looking you know. And it's just practical. Uh, and I encourage particularly the men, women, whatever you know. But I want to guard my heart and guard my relationship with my wife. And so I'm just giving you that practical advice. Yes, my rule is I'll only look at women in the eyes. (laughs) From like the chin up, that's where I look. It's so practical and it's so helpful. Because if we let our eyes go other places, again, we're not that good. We're weak. So train your eyes, chin up. (laughs) Gary, you want to come up? I didn't quite catch what that was, but Gary had a a word of wisdom for prayer. I'm just going to go ahead. If it's okay, Gary, you can pray for this.
people are in ministry or a position of power and exercise that over you, that's an anointed curse. And you've submitted, if you've submitted to it. And anybody that uses their position or anointing, we break that in the name of Jesus. All anointed curses that we've experienced over the years through ministers or anyone else, Father, in the name of Jesus, we break that and all the effects of it. We set ourselves free, Father, for those that love you are free indeed, and we accept your freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to pray a hedge of protection specifically over all the young women in the church. This will not happen in our sphere of influence. (laughs) And this won't happen to you wherever you go. If God sends you out next month to Florida, this will not happen to you. Psalm 34-7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. I see a bunch of young women in the room who fear the Lord. Guess what? You have 360 degrees of protection from Jesus himself. He will not allow evil to happen to you. So right now, we declare over every young woman, even older women in the church, the angel of the Lord, we invite you to encamp all around them. We pray sovereign protection over every part of their lives, that no evil, no evil from any spirit of lust will overtake you. No evil will befall you. I pray supernatural protection, the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would blind any perpetrator, that you would literally put a spirit of blindness on them if they come near you with any ill intent. We, we a holy curse of blindness to blind them from God's children and then heal them and give them a new heart. In Jesus' name. That was an intense prayer, but I felt it strong. Not in our day, not in our midst, not in this local church. You will be protected by the angel of the Lord and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're at time. Love you guys. We'll have prayer teams up here. Just because this was our family chat Sunday, we can still process. We're here indefinitely until Jesus comes back to process with you anything. We're going to walk through this journey together of healing from a hero, a true hero of ours that fell. And so we're here for you guys. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. God is with us for the whole journey, and he's more interested in the journey than the destination. He just loves walking with us. Amen? He loves you guys so much. Bless y'all. Have an amazing week. Go Chiefs.